everyone. Welcome to the Let It Be podcast. I'm your host, Becky Ziegenfuss. Each show, I share conversations around purpose and promise. We talk about friendships, family, faith, all the favorite things. Make this your time. So whatever you have to do, let it go, let it wait, let it be. Hi, everyone. I am so excited because this is episode one, and I have one of my unbelievably dear friends with me, and she has journeyed with me along this dream of starting this podcast from the very beginning. So it is just absolutely fitting that for episode one, I have my friend Katie Giuliano. Welcome, Katie. Hello, hello. I'm so glad to be here on episode one. I know. I'm so excited. I know I was talking to one of our mutual friends the other day and talking about how when you had done one of the vendor markets, I don't know if you remember this, but I came up to you and this friend was helping you in your tent. And I had just shared that this podcast that I've been dreaming, if you remember, I had this title in mind. Oh, I remember the title. (laughs) And a very, very famous person who is probably in the same space that this will be categorized ended up choosing almost the exact same title for her podcast. (laughs) The brainstorming began on that day. (laughs) I felt like it railroaded me just a little bit. So two years later, it has finally been, been born. Um, But I wanted to welcome you onto it because I know that not only have you been a dear friend to me, but one thing that I love about our friendship is that there's a significant age gap. (laughs) And as much as I would like to think that I can pour into the people behind me, I've just learned so much from you as a person and a friend and a Jesus follower. So um, why don't you just open up by telling us who you are and what you do for a living? Yeah, absolutely. Those things do tend to go hand in hand (laughs) for me. um, My name is Katie Giuliano. Like Becky said, I married into a Italian family with a four syllable last name. My maiden name was Lips, which was one syllable and so cute. Darling, (laughs) so cute. Yeah. So now Giuliano, I have to spell it over the phone. It's a big mess, but I do love my husband dearly. So I'm thankful for that. But I, I live in Cincinnati with my husband and we have a dog. It's 140 pounds, and that's our little family for now. But I do, um, I, I run a company called Hosanna Revival. So like the typical hobby of like, oh, what do you like to do in mm-hmm. your free time became my full-time work. So that's kind of why those lines blur and blend together when people say, who are you and what do you do? But yeah, I, I run this company. Um, it's a small team out of Cincinnati. We have our warehouse and our office, um, but we make beautiful Bibles and other mm-hmm. tools that we hope will lead women to engage in scripture and know the Lord better. And the thing I love about it, I know that your vision was for women to engage in that, but I don't know if it's been intentional or not, but I know that a lot of men have started purchasing a particular line of your Bibles. I know my husband preaches from one every single Sunday. And so <laughs> yes. that's just, it's just so <laughs> exciting to see how when a vision is given over to the Lord, he can just take it and multiply it and do just amazingly, immeasurably more than <laughs> we could ever imagine. Um, so I love that about Hosanna. And I know that so many people have been reached by it. I mean, I talked to colleagues of mine. I talked to friends who are not even around here. We were just down in Florida and we saw your products in one of the stores down there. Oh, cool. So it's just so exciting to see the reach that you have had 
and just what God is going to just continue to do, even during this time of COVID and quarantine that we've been in. Yeah. I know that it's just been, it seems like you're busier than ever. Man, and that is so true. Such a gift. We we really had no idea what to expect, <laughs> but we've been so encouraged that people really do seem to be turning to God. <laughs> yeah, I love it. But I also want to talk about, because something that probably a lot of people don't know about you, and just to add, I'm going to link all of your contact info and Hosanna info so that people can follow that and see what we're talking about because the products are amazing. And I know you always have new and exciting things coming out. (laughs) Um, But people who just know you from Hosanna Revival probably don't know the depth of Katie Giuliano and even your husband, Nick. But as I've known you and gotten to know you, um, many people know that we started a church about four years ago, and you and Nick were part of that pretty early on, if not from the very beginning. Day one, we were there. (laughs) And I know one of the things that I remembered first about you was that you guys have been integral parts of Young Life. And I have personally benefited from that because as you (laughs) have served in our student ministry at church and we have kids in that, we have gotten to watch our kids experience the wisdom that you and Nick pour into them. So I'm just kind of curious what got you on your own journey of following Jesus and how that developed into not just a journey of following him, but that but it really became the core of who you are from serving in that young life capacity to, of course, your business that is co- totally built literally on the Bible. <laughs> so what, take us just a little bit along that journey. Yeah, a little, a little journey back. I love it. Um, I have followed Jesus for six years, which I think is so cool. <laughs> like, so cool to think, like Becky asked me before this, how long have you been in student ministry? And I was like, six years. You know, like wow. it really has been an action-packed six years of following the Lord. Um, but I'm so grateful. I feel like I'm making up for some lost time not knowing Jesus until I turned 18. Um, but yeah, for my story, uh, childhood was pretty, you know, normal. I have two great parents, two great sisters, and we just, we didn't... Um, have a a life that was surrounding, like completely surrounding Jesus. (laughs) Church wasn't really the center of our, you know, priorities or anything like that. Um, We grew up in the Catholic church and I just, I think I was picking and choosing as many teens would, like what I was hearing and what I wanted to believe and what I was hearing I didn't like. So Mm -hmm. I was pretty uninterested in what the church um, had to offer because it it called me out on my crap and (laughs) I believed, uh (laughs) uh-oh, I'm going to hell because (laughs) this isn't looking so good for me. So it really was tough. Um, When Young Life was introduced into my friend group, I had a few friends start going and I was a naysayer. I thought, you know, this is a cult. It's, you know, all these kids that I saw drinking last weekend are there. This is, this can't be a Christian thing. And so I really was a naysayer for quite a while, but I'm so grateful. My best friend, I mean, I, I was kicking and screaming, but she drugged me with her to come to these, these Young Life events. Um, and it was after I graduated my senior year, I went to a Young Life camp. And it was the only reason I agreed to go is because... I felt like my world, my little world that I had spent the last 18 years building was crumbling. Um, I don't have to give you all the details there, but I, I've always been a, a striver and an achiever. Mm. And from a very young age, I figured out like the things I could do well and the things that could, would get me praise. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I did them more and more and more. And so by the time I was 18, I had, you know, this really unique identity 
built on my great grades and my paintings and my artwork and how unique of a combination I was of a artist and a brainiac and and that was everything for me and so college decisions was I mean that was huge it's huge for everybody it's such a big pivotal transition in everybody's life um but for me I had all my eggs in certain baskets on where I was going to go to school and how shiny my scholarships were and through a very weird turn of events that I know now is the Lord um scholarships got pulled out from under me next thing I knew I was going to the state school in my backyard not even studying art I was studying business (laughs) and so I was I mean I was in a a pit, <laughs> a deep value. Kingdom seriously crumbled to the ground. And, and it was in that week that my best friend shot her shot again and invited me to come to this Christian camp. And I don't know what it was. I just said, all right, I'll go. Wow. I actually did not <laughs> know that part of your story, that yeah. it was so redirectional after you graduated. Yeah. So what did that look like um, that week at that camp? I mean, I know for anyone who has been grown up in church or anything like that, you know, that camp can be one of those experiences where it's highly emotional. You can make decisions during that week that once you get back into the normalcy of life can start to fall by the wayside. Um, but that wasn't your story. So how was that different for you? Yeah, I think so. I going to this camp, I had heard enough about young life to know this little like formula that now I love. I love the formula. I'm like, absolutely, this is the order. We'll explain the gospel. And we know that students by this point in the week will be experiencing this. And but I'd heard about that formula and I hated it. And I, I was like, all right, it's Thursday. I guess I'm supposed to cry tonight. You know, what are you going to throw your stick in the fire? Right, right. What are you <laughs> going to tell me tonight that's going to rock my world in air quotes? Um, but yeah, it was uh, that week that for the first time ever, I heard about a God that loves regardless of what we achieve and that he loved me no matter my sin and that there was a place for me in heaven, um, which I just I just literally didn't know. <laughs> and so it was like mind-blowing information. Um, and that week, I, I committed my life to Christ and decided to follow him. But yeah, like you said, camp weeks, <laughs> they're typically big highs and then you come back home to normal life and you're a senior and all your friends are doing all the fun things and going off to college and it's like really tough for anybody to to continue following Jesus at that same like emotional level so for me I came back and unfortunately I I went to a really big school and I think there were like 180 kids on this camp trip and only Mm -hmm. 10 leaders (laughs) And so the follow-up, I know now as a leader, like that's incredibly mm-hmm. challenging to follow up with every single kid about decisions they made or how you can help them on their faith journey. And for me, there there just wasn't much follow-up. I went to college with zero Christian friends. I was still dating a, a crappy guy and was, you know, driving up to OSU to visit him. And my freshman year of college looked a lot like most freshman years of college. Mm-hmm. You know, there was partying, there was stuff with boyfriends that shouldn't have been done and more kingdom building. Mm-hmm. But what was cool is <laughs> I, I, I think I would have called it shame and guilt. Um, because that just piled on that year because now I knew the Lord and I knew these things were now wrong. Um, but it is cool to see that like, no, that was conviction. Like mm. you accepted the spirit, you had the spirit and that's why it doesn't feel as fun to go out and drink, you know? <laughs> right. Right. So what did that how can, for, for maybe someone who's not, or who's listening, who doesn't really understand kind of that process, how could you determine the differentiation between what was shame and what was conviction? And how did you reconcile that in your heart? 
Hmm. Yeah, I definitely didn't know the difference at the time. Mm -hmm. What I felt was, okay, I know I'm doing something wrong in guilt and shame. I mean, that comes very naturally. Like we all know what it feels like to be in trouble and to feel like punishments come in and I'm bad and I'm, I'm not worthy of this anymore. I messed up, you know, like all these ugly feelings. I think maybe we've felt them from parents or from significant others or friends, even like a lot of manipulation that leads us to feeling so unworthy because of things we've done or maybe things that have been done to us. Um, And it was, I mean, mind blowing to learn that those feelings do not come from God. Mm. Never once. (laughs) I'm like, are you sure? What if I do this? You know, what if I do this or this or this? Are you sure he never wants me to feel like this? Mm. And learning that, okay, he does have a, have a feeling that he gives us, but it's not one that, you know, destroys our worth and casts us into a garbage can. Instead, it's a feeling of, okay, like I have better for you. I have better for you. And that's why I want you to turn away from this. I, I don't want you to live in this, in this pit or this darkness or this sin. Instead, I want you to look over here where I am. And that takes a 180 turn, you know, from where you were. Um, and so that, that feeling, I think, I guess the differentiator would be the hope of what's coming. Would you agree? Yeah. I love that because I think that even people who, for myself, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in the church. Mm, my, girl. My, my parents were in ministry. So I grew up in the church and I think that a lot of people can grow up in the church and not hear the affirmation that God wants to gently bring him toward him because there's hope there and there's light where he is and the shame and the devaluing, although there are consequences for choices, right? That's clear. But the shame and the devaluing that's associated with that is not of him. Mm -hmm. And that is what the enemy wants to use to destroy our future with him. So what was the turning point for you then? I mean, if you finished your freshman year, now you're moving into sophomore year, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. It was, oh man, I remember it so fondly, but I I did um, start going to a ministry on campus. It was crew. They have that at a lot of different college campuses, but I started going alone. (laughs) And it's again, so funny now as a leader of ministry that I'm like, I was this little girl that fell through the cracks, you know, like, and it's so Mm. cool that even in our own shortcomings in ministry, as we try and pursue all the people and lead all the people, I didn't have anybody and God still marched my little butt in a door of a, you know, dorm room where God was being like the truth of God was being taught, you know, like he can do whatever the heck he wants and he will do it. So yeah, I started going to crew on my own. I didn't have anyone to sit with. I sat alone and started hearing these gospel messages again in a language that I could understand that didn't sound like, you know, this super harsh message that I had known from childhood. And they did a quick sermon series on idolatry. And that, I had never heard that. You know, it's like this childlike faith. Everything I was hearing was new information. Um, And I realized that the boyfriend that I had was an idol to me. Um, They asked us one night to, you know, write some sins down, something we never thought we'd tell anyone, put it in an envelope, and ask God if he wanted us to show that envelope to someone. I'm like, well, certainly not. So I'm going to hold on to the envelope. Um, but through that time of prayer and reflection on what was in my dang envelope, I decided it was time to break up with a boyfriend. And that was the impetus that just sent, you know, my, my new fully turned 
180 degree life where I could set my eyes on Jesus and like this baggage that was, you know, hands trying to pull me back to my old life were finally severed. (laughs) That is crazy. It's amazing also that really all of this transformation has taken place in a really short amount of time. Power hour. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is so promising and hopeful to anyone who is walking in a space right now of either doubt, of confusion, of maybe shame, or even just wondering. I mean, I obviously we're all paying attention to the way our world is spinning right now. And it just seems like whether it's through anger or hate or fear and anxiety that our world is crying out Mm, for answers and hope. And so I think of all of the hours and weeks and months that you and your husband have poured into loving on those who are coming next, Mm. the next generation as we often refer to them. But even, even beyond that, I mean, even for just anyone that is sitting in that space right now, but maybe specifically for, we have teenagers, Mm -hmm. we have teenagers who are under your care. Oh, and I (laughs) I just, what, what are you telling them? What advice are you giving at this time to stay true to who Jesus is asking us to be, to be relevant in culture right now and to stay the course of finding your hope in him. Oh my gosh. I, how how long do we have? (laughs) (laughs) I have, I think there's a lot of, um, maybe lifestyle changes, you know, big lists of suggestions and ideas and really good tips that people could follow. Um, especially young adults or teens that are trying to live life for Christ. Um, I think if I were to sum it up, I would come to John 15 in just the whole monologue of God being the vine, us being the branches. We cannot do anything without him apart from me. You can do nothing. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. (laughs) And if you don't, you won't. You know, like Mm -hmm. it is so clear over and over in scripture that when we are near to God, like we will see growth and fruit in Mm -hmm. hope and flourishment and light and all of these good, good things and apart from him. We just don't get that. And when we're talking to young adults, like that is, it is so hard to teach that, but it is, it's so clear and black and white that like with God, there are these things and without God, there are these things and trying to show them the little elements and proving it to them that here, look where the good is, you know, mm-hmm. God, where God is, good things follow. Look where, where the good things are in your life. Those are from God. God is the giver of all good gifts. And so showing them that truly, you have to be near to God if you want to see light. Mm. But what's so tough is that some of them don't don't want it, you know? <laughs> mm. And so I think surrounding yourself with other believers mm. is imperative um, and unfortunately not an option for all kids. You know, if they don't have a Christian friend group, it's really hard to walk into one right. <laughs> and just find friends. Um, gratefully, they don't have to be your age. Like <laughs> it's mm-hmm. better when they're, when they're your age, or if you had like this sweet little bouncy group of young girls on fire for the Lord, but that's, that's not a reality. So, I mean, if, whether it's an older person that you could meet with or 
even like starting online, like listening to sermons and podcasts, like truly you have to surround yourself with other believers because the world is doing everything it possibly can to pull you away from Jesus. Mm. And if you don't have friends that know the Lord, like you're going to forget why it matters. I know that it's a common phrase, although I feel like I only heard it a couple years ago. Um, something about we're more likely to take something that we've caught rather than been taught, meaning that watching someone's life, we're more likely to follow the way they're living rather than listening to someone's mm. words. Yeah. And when I just think of, I mean, it doesn't have to be young adults. It doesn't have to be teenagers. It can really be anyone, but everything is so divided right now mm. that when I'm watching someone that I admire and I'm watching that person walk through life mm. in a way that is faith-filled and in a way that is hope-filled, it's much easier to say, I'm going to get near to that person because that person is walking closely to God mm. rather than just listening to the words of someone else when I can't watch their lifestyle. Yeah. And I think that has been so imperative for our kids to see. I know we've always joked about saying, if you need to talk to someone and you're not comfortable talking with us, go talk to Katie. <laughs> because that's, to your point, I mean, that's what everyone needs is mm. some safe person, safe space to have these hard conversations, whether they're around, pick a hot topic, yeah. <laughs> anxiety, depression, addiction. I mean, mm. any of the hot topics of our world today and our people are dealing with them. So for the, for, for these kids or I don't even, these these (laughs) youngins, um, how would you encourage them to stay the course? Because I can look at social media, which can be a wonderful, fun thing, but can also be Mm. a tool of the enemy in every sense of the word. How, how do these teenagers, how do these young adults, how do, how do adults <laughs> even wade through that when all of the world is saying this, 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 division, 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 um, fight for yourself, be for yourself, last man standing. I mean, all of these things are the antithesis, mm-hmm. but yet those are the voices that are screaming. And the screaming voices, regardless of what they are, are the ones that get the attention. So... How do we how do we pave the way of this next generation to be one in which they can find solid stability and foundation in the truth? Yeah, I think we have to let Jesus be louder. Mm. And he has this still small voice, you know, and and when your Bible is shut, like the voice gets even quieter and when you don't have Christian friends, it's quieter. Mm-hmm. And I think what it comes down to is like you have to you have to want this for yourself. Yeah. And of course, I'm not a parent, but I, I'm sure as a parent, I will join the chorus of all parents, you know, trying to teach my kids, like, this is it. This is the stuff. This is what leads to full and abundant life. And But they have to want it for themselves. And so first, like we already talked about, surround yourself with people that want yeah. it for themselves because it is attractive. And when you are around Christ followers, like they see Jesus in you. You know, yeah. and so you've got to you've got to be around believers. But I would say building 
excitement for your faith on your own. Mm. So if you're a young person and you believe in Jesus and, and you, you buy into this, then you need to commit to figuring out how the heck to get yourself excited. Mm-hmm. If you don't like your current youth group, find another way. Find new friends. If you don't like studying the Bible the way that you always have, find another way. There's an abundance of resources. There's so many things and tools and Bible studies and different kinds of worship music and so many ways that you can get excited about Jesus. Because if you're not excited about it, you're not going to want to do it. You know? <laughs> you're yeah. not going to want to commit. And so if you are in figure out how to get excited because then it will get easier and easier and easier. Um, and you can start with a prayer of God. I'm not excited. (laughs) Help me get excited. Which that even extends into kind of why you birthed Hosanna, right? Um, so that was, I mean, take us a little bit on that because you were in college Mm -hmm. just painting your own Bible. (laughs) Yeah. So I, shortly after I accepted Christ, I already had this big study abroad trip booked to Spain for six months. And so I just, I it was like a, a whirlwind, but you know, I break up with a boyfriend, the person I was set to live with my sophomore year of college is now, you know, addicted to drugs and in prison and just so crazy to look at where my life was headed. But this, this person, this great friend of mine who actually goes to our church passion heard that I, I got uh, the breakup happened and Mm. she heard through the grapevine and she showed up at my dorm room door and said, I hear you're having a rough night. And then within days invited me to live in her house of Christian girls that all were young life leaders, just these great, this great community of believers that God literally plucked me out of the ashes and set me in. It was a house built for eight people. And she's like, I can make it nine. (laughs) I can fit another twin bed in my room. Um, so yeah, I just move into this house and these girls show me how to follow Jesus. I wake up in the morning and they're reading their Bibles. I'm like, okay, I guess that's something we do. Is the coffee necessary? Do we have to drink the coffee while we read it? You know, like they, they, they go to church on Sundays. I'm like, okay, we go to church. You know, like they showed me how to follow the Lord. And then I moved to Spain <laughs> like right then, just after three months of living with them. And so it was in Spain that I had to learn how to follow Jesus without community. I, all I brought with me was this Bible. There was one non-Catholic church in all of my town. And so I tried to go, it was in Spanish, um, but I had the Bible. And so it was in Spain that I learned just truly how beautiful the word of God is, how God is through his word. And I had to learn to rely on it. I had to learn to read it. (laughs) I learned to love it. Um, And I watched it become like a true tangible comfort that I used to be getting from friends or church or whatever. Mm. Um, so it was right when I got back from Spain, I now knew, holy cow, the Bible's exciting. And, and look at the transformative power of this book. And I have, I have people in my life that I knew needed this. And I thought, okay, I, I love this Bible and I'm going to, I'm going to design mine to reflect how much I love it and how the inside makes me feel the beauty I know is on the inside. Um, and after I made mine, I thought, okay, who, who could I make one that needs to know the power of this book that wouldn't open it otherwise. (laughs) And isn't that crazy? I think in your story that God took you to Spain to remove your community, to truly show himself as Mm. the sufficient provider in all ways. And yet look currently where we are as a world where we've, I mean, for three solid months, Mm. we were completely shut down and shut off from community and I would love to believe that there was a lot of growth 
during that time for people who either have been searching or maybe just needed a little reminder that as much as we were built for community and we love community and we miss community, that when we get into the scripture and the actual word of God that has been given to us, we can find the blueprint of everything that we need. Oh, yeah. Which kind of brings us to this podcast. Wow. <laughs> and that wasn't planned. <laughs> it wasn't. It falls but in place. The, the beauty of scripture, it's funny because our oldest daughter is 16, and she has really, I would say this year, begun to truly fall in love with the words of God. And I do think that part of it has been a reflection of what you and your team have poured into these students. But she showed me a, a verse, I think it was in John. I can't remember now. I'd have to ask her. And she was like, it was during the Bible study that you lead. And she said, Mom, let me read this. I mean, we were walking out the door and she's like, wait, wait, wait. Can we wait just two minutes? I want to read you this verse and how applicable it is for today. And she shared the verse, and it was basically um, the verse about our sufferings for today are just but a minute. Mm. And for for me, as a, not just a Jesus follower, not just a pastor's wife, but as a mom, to see my child understanding that, yes, it is still alive today. Mm. And however many years are left on this earth, it will still be alive for that moment in time as well is just the beauty of the truth of it. Mm, yeah. So God has given us so many promises in his word and so many promises that we can find purpose in, whether it's purpose for our life, purpose for our future or whatever. So I'm just curious out of all of the promises <laughs> that you've come across, what one or two have really meant something really significant to you? Gosh, okay. It just in the last, I think I had, I had a direction I was going to go, but just in your last little story about your daughter, Elle, it came to mind from Psalm 139. I think, yeah, it's David writing and he says, he's like crying out to the Lord and he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, settle on the far side of the sea, you are there your hand will hold me fast. And I think like just that crazy story of like this, this world and, you know, me in Spain, <laughs> us all quarantined and shut down. Like if we make our bed in hell, like God is there, mm. he's there and he's not leaving us and he's holding so tight to us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I, when I think back to my, that, you know, kind of wandering year in between high school and college, it's like I, I knew the Lord, but I was so far from him. I had nothing holding me to him. Like no part of my life, you know, was set in stone. You know, I didn't go to church every Sunday. Like nothing was holding me to him. Mm. My hands are wide open and he was holding me. Mm. Um, and I've seen that. that. I've seen that in so many seasons of life. And it's it's never been quite as drastic since that, you know, season of wandering. But now it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful that the conviction comes sooner now. Like I don't have to be so far from God that something, you know, tragic has to happen to pull me back to him. Now it's, it's smaller little turns here and there, but he's always holding on to us. And that's mm -hmm. all throughout the Bible. But I just really love that verse in, in Psalms because it kind of takes us out of it. It's not like us holding on to each other. Yeah. Like it's, it's the promise that he is always yeah. holding us. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Love it. Thank you for sharing your heart. Oh gosh, So yeah, good. It's emotional to run back through all these stories. 
So um, I didn't prep you, but for at the end of each podcast, I am going to ask, when you're just Katie, what is it that Katie loves? Man. Okay. An atmosphere. I love building an atmosphere. Like if it's raining outside and I can turn on like the twinkle lights on my patio, I'm like, quick, brew the coffee. Like, Give me a book, someone, anyone, you know, I'll light a candle and it can be any atmosphere, but I love just building like a quick, like a beautiful space and getting to just be in it. I totally get that. Yeah. (laughs) I will sacrifice good quality food for an amazing atmosphere atmosphere at a restaurant. Yes. If you've got a good rooftop with a view, I don't really care what your food tastes like. (laughs) I'm with you. Yelp helps with that. With their, they they show us the outside terrace. I'm yes. like, eh, six out of ten. They next. do. <laughs> they do. They do. And because we focus on the purpose and promise in Scripture, and because this podcast is called "Let It Be," if you could pray one thing over all of the listeners, what would that be? I wish I had this quote down pat, but I just recently have wrote down a quote and set it on my desk. Something along the lines of, don't have your concert and then tune your instruments. <laughs> and I was like, oh boy, <laughs> that's so convicting. But it was referring to the word of God and how do not start your dang day without Jesus. <laughs> wow. I think in many different seasons of life that looks so different for all of us, whether it's you know time in prayer or time in worship or literally reading a Bible verse you wrote on a poster on your wall, you know, (laughs) like we have to find ways to get the word of God in front of our faces because like you already said, the world is so loud Mm -hmm. and it's calling our names from every, every angle. So I think I would pray that Jesus would be louder. Mm. Let it be. Let it be, man. Let it be. Katie, I love you. I love that you're my friend. (laughs) I love that you're an example to me and to my girls and my son. But he he tends to walk in Nick's lane a little bit closer. (laughs) Thanks for coming on episode one. Episode one. What a good one. Yeah. I know. I'm so excited. And I want to have you back when maybe something exciting is happening with Hosanna that we can talk about. (laughs) I'll give you a sneak peek. So I love you. Thanks for being Katie and for just pointing people to Jesus in every possible way. And let it be. Love you. I knew when I planned the first episode that I had to have Katie as my first guest. She is so young and yet is this deep well of knowledge and wisdom. I love that Katie focused on the promise that Jesus is near. Regardless of where we are or what we're going through, a global pandemic, racial tension, massive division, loss, grief, pain, confusion, doubt, uncertainty, he holds on to us, even if we let go of him. Katie and I also talked about all the voices in the world that are shouting so loudly that if we aren't careful, they can drown out God's voice in our lives. And Jesus must be louder. I know that there are passionate conversations being had. We are fighting for justice, fighting to be equal, fighting to right wrongs, fighting to be heard. But when passion begins to mix with hate, regardless of race, gender, politics, religions, whatever the category, the message gets lost, relationships get destroyed, more hurt is created, and our God is grieved. In John 13, 34, Jesus is talking to his disciples or his followers, and he tells them, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And here's the promise. 
Everyone will know that you are my disciples, my followers, my people, that you are different if you love one another. Let it be. Thanks so much for joining me on my very first episode. I have some really amazing guests I can't wait for you to meet in the next weeks. You are not going to want to miss these conversations and what we can learn from their voices and their stories. You can follow me on all the social media platforms at Becky Ziegenfuss. That's Z-I-E-G-E-N-F-U-S-S. This has been so fun. Let's do it again next week.